How could you possibly make that happen? Pure and simple. Money. OK, so you would buy us a baby? I don't offer to do something unless I'm prepared to go through with it. Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll It's time to neighbours CJ, Kate and Bea. Let's get the Neighbours. Hello, this is Neighbours. We are the Neighbours Recap Podcast. We overanalyze episodes of the Aussie Soap Neighbours because it's just, it's, it's an, a never-ending well of gold. As we've discovered this week, wow, some incredible situations have emerged. I'm Vaya. I'm in Melbourne's PirateNet Studios. We've connected via Grace and Global Technology to... CJ, the hot mess mom, aka Catherine Jones. Hello. Hello. And also known as Remude on Twitter, we have Kate. Hello. Hi, everybody. Wow. So, okay, this is a big episode we are going to discuss, or a big pairing of episodes. Like, I am on the cusp of nine months pregnant, and any moment it could all happen. But I was like, I, we've just got to get this in. We have to discuss what's happened on air on the 14th of May and the 15th, and I'm very grateful we can do this right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I saw a spoiler for all of this week, and then through the amazing media login, I logged in and watched the entire week all at once. (laughs) I was wondering why you were so excited. Every time CJ was online, she's like, I'm just doing the neighbour's binge. I'm like, why? It's nothing urgent. (laughs) Yeah, and and I, I had to get to the end of it and then I didn't – it was such – I know that a lot of people knew, thought this would happen and I've seen a lot of that online, but I just thought it was a great little surprise. Oh. Like I just thought – I don't know – there's some, you know, criticism and we've all got it and we'll say that. And we'll get stuck into that. Yeah, <laughs> but I just thought it wasn't like it was in the TV week constantly like every other thing that has been. Lately? Yeah, the surprise, it was, we never knew this would land and when and how and why. It, and wow. Yeah. What a treat. Well, yeah, it, had, it hadn't been spoiled, which just about yeah. never happens these days. So that's the tease. First, quick bit of Neighbours Council business. The business, again. Obviously, I think we can now draw a line and, and I'll go podcast prego leave starts after this episode and have our bonus stuff coming through and then resume at some point. But firstly, I got a voice memo in from Kenny Young, friend of the show, better known as the voice of Gazcan. Of course, he had some thoughts about Pigeon Gary, the ceramic pigeon, and I failed to air them when it was relevant, but I think that they are still valid. P- Pigeon Gary, you know, his story will it'll re-emerge, nothing dies. So here's Kenny. So I can't believe I'm talking about a storyline where Sheila believes Gary is a pigeon. It's the craziest ceramic pig I've seen in quite a while on Neighbours. I kind of imagine it being resolved with maybe Gary visiting Sheila in a dream and being like, hey mum, or should I say, coo-coo. Didn't really think I was a pigeon, did ya? And I also want to hear from my personal friend, Scott McKenzie, who this week showed up on Neighbours as Jeremy Briggs, One Scene Wonder, who is the crooked cop that fudged evidence for Claudia. Here are his thoughts on his big moment that day. 
working with Kate Raisin was great. She came in uh, late that day because she thought she had yoga booked in uh, instead of realising she was on set. So she came in all flustered on the day uh, but was very professional and, and made me feel very welcome. So, yeah, it was great working with someone of, of her calibre. Uh, Jeremy Briggs decided to go to Claudia that day because he realises he has her wrapped around his little finger. Um, he realises that he can manipulate her to get what he wants. What he wants at the end of the day is the opportunity to show how powerful he can be and also extort as much money as he can from Claudia, which he knows that she will, will give him. Um, so really, they're a, they're a perfect relationship for each other. It was a great opportunity and uh, I hope one day... Uh, Jeremy Briggs can come back again. <laughs> oh, look, it was hard times, mate. Everyone's looking for a way to make a bit of coin. And he was just like, hey, I did a good <laughs> job with this. No one ever picked up something went wrong. You know, think about me when you're next looking to hire your, your next goon. And he's been promoted, I guess. He's like greener pastures. <laughs> and also, yeah, as Kate said, this is the gig economy. He must be, imagine his Airtasker profile. <laughs> Like, I, I imagine it's something like can move furniture, can design websites, and I'm a dodgy cop. So next time you need that. But he looks like a really nice guy. He's so sweet. And yeah. I know him through karaoke. Of course. So, like, just imagine him belting out Bowie under pressure, you know, that kind of great guy. Wow. I mean, <laughs> that might be his next, next gig. With B at the waterhole. Yeah. And a couple of people have joined the Neighbours Council, our Facebook group. Tara listens to the podcast in the kitchen making dinner or just before lights out. And Sarah joined and she listens to relax before bed. So I was glad that we can still be relaxing to people in this time of turmoil. That is good news. I have something to add. Oh, go CJ. Um, I'm gonna take. I have to find the inbox. We've got another birthday. Really? Yeah. You were you were having stuff happen, so I answered them. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I'll talk about my day while you look for that. No, they are. You've had, personally, a pretty hecker's 48 hours, haven't you? Um, share, share a bit of your joy. Look, I thought I'd been, been exposed to the Rona. It's just quite a time when you're already, like, essentially a week out from birthing a human and tensions are already running high because you're just trying to rearrange your whole house. And who do you reckon gave you the Rona? Oh, bloody, bloody Grimace. Grimace? <laughs> Hang on, so you're saying, like, you got Rona from Ronald? Yes, someone at the Golden Arches. Well, I don't know. So we're in the car. There's a bulletin that goes out on the news about a McDonald's being the source of a case of cluster. Yeah, COVID. Well, no, no. I don't think it's a cluster. There's one person. It's not a cluster yet. <laughs> yet. But it's spread to a secondary McDonald's. And the secondary McDonald's is right next door to my maternity health clinic uh, where I went for my appointment on the last day that this staff member was working. We're for a drive-through fries because there. What few joys are left for a woman about to deliver a human? Fries from McDonald's on the way home. Yeah, mate. I can't tell you. I've I had Macca's fries a few times this week, so no no judgment there. Yeah. Then I, of course I had a complete meltdown. I'm like, oh, they're going to take my baby away from me. I don't know. I've just watched a lot of Neighbours, and I don't know what the procedures are, and. Anyway, I went to the testing clinic today, sat in my car for two hours and then got a cotton swab up the brain. So it's been a time. It's probably nothing. Everyone thinks it's probably nothing, whatever. But at least I've now gone through the full pandemic, almost full. I've gone through a lengthy pandemic experience by getting the test. So we'll know, either we'll know before I have the baby yeah. if I've got the Rona 
or we'll know after. <laughs> See, when I I was traveling when swine flu was happening in America and I got it and I love telling people, oh, I had it and it was just no big deal. No, yeah. I love that. So, so maybe like it would be almost great if you were like, oh, look, I got the test and turns out I'd had it but I didn't even notice. <laughs> or turns out I had it but they were trying to get a baby out of me so there were other things to worry about. <laughs> Yeah, there's bigger priorities. You had your mind on other things, but I hope you don't. Yeah, thanks. And CJ, with love songs and dedications, go. Got a message from a lovely Zoe uh, this week. It's her friend Kate's birthday. And so we just want to shout out and say happy birthday to Kate. And look, Zoe's actually handed up some information about you that you were a little bit fond of Dylan Timmons. Ooh. Mm. So it's a happy birthday from, from a Timmins, I would say. Why wouldn't you? Dylan, at least it wasn't Stingers. Yeah. I reckon there's a Timmins for all types. I think there's someone for everyone to dip into in that family. Janelle. <laughs> yeah, they're a, they're, they're a kind-hearted bad boy, aren't they? The, mm. the boys, anyway. Kate, do you have any shout-outs? Oh, well, just it was an interesting thing this week that I saw our friend, friend of the pod, Nablog, tweeted that he already followed... Grief group Gressica on Twitter, um, and she's played by Lynn Gilmartin, and so that put me down a Lynn Gilmartin rabbit hole. Sure, and it turns out she's an Australian actress and TV host, best known as the anchor of World Poker Tour on Fox Sports Networks. Get out! Who knew? Wow, I mean, sounds a grief group poker. Ooh. We're going to see her at Everyone's Anonymous soon. She fits right in. By the way, we can't, if we're doing Twitter shout outs, perfect blend. Oh. Never misses a moment to just get relevant with me and reminded me that, and this will link up to our Q&A coming up, but reminded me that if I ever need someone in a birthing suite with me, that Susan's the one to pick because Jackie Woodburn accompanied Deborah Lawrence for the birth of her baby daughter. Oh, really? Ellie or B? Well, they said Ellie if the timing lines up for Ellie. But how's that? Arnie Liz and Arnie Sue's old mates, besties IRL. I love that very much. That is like yeah, that is such good trivia right there. Theperfectblend.net for all your tidbits. Swiftly moving out of council business. This is business. It's not personal. I was coming home in a complete wreck. I was like crying, freaking out, hyperventilating, making everyone else stressed around me. Then Neighbours started on Friday and I was completely transported to another world, the world of Erinsborough. And the, that was the only thing that snapped me out of my downward spiral. <laughs> and, and isn't that the best thing about Neighbours at the moment? That yes. it's completely corona-free. <laughs> totally. I don't like watching sort of anything serious. Like I know that... Everyone's watching Tiger King and I'm like, look, I can't, I just don't want to be involved in like a domestic violence situation and like watching that. But neighbours, I don't care what they throw at me. I am there. I felt this week took me back to Endgame week. I was that thrilled on Thursday and Friday. Mm. And so let's start on Thursday the 14th and the Scooby gang assembles and who are they made up of? Well, we've got Chloe, we've got... B, we've got Suze, we've got David and Aaron. And Chloe wasn't bad, I thought, in Chief of the Scooby Gang. I have to say, it's, but it's not the brightest sparks in Aaron's bar. <laughs> like, I mean, the Brennans are never going to bring their brain cells along. Um, and B's, you know, I mean, she's a good singer. Um, but kind of it was like Suze, who is a bit infirm, and David as well. So David has the brains, but yeah. Also, Susan and B are fresh from, like, didn't they take off and try and track down Finn? 
and then they got locked in the cabin. Like, they've done this a thousand times. Is Bee still wearing her moon boot? Yeah, I think she is. Because I feel like she's probably not the person best suited to searching a room. You know, I know it's too soon for Sheila to have got involved, but she is the person I would have wanted at my search scene. If it was one more week down into the Sheila-Susan reunion, Mm. Susan could have co-opted Sheila, but it's too raw. And imagine Sheila as the person that decoys Claudia on the way back. Perfect. Yeah, like just being there. I'm like, I really want to talk to you about my feelings. And Claudia would be like, oh, I'm very busy. And then she'd be like, no, (laughs) let's sit down. No, you know how your son killed my son? Well, let's unpack that. (laughs) Yeah, I want to go through it now. (laughs) I I can really see that happening. So Chloe and Susan and B are one team and their task is to ransack Claudia's penthouse suite for dot, dot, dot. (laughs) What exactly are they trying to find? Um, Evidence. Okay. (laughs) Something. Something is what they're looking for. Something with dates on it. There's a lot of file boxes that she's flown over from Switzerland, this lady. You know what? Claudia is the reason why there's a problem with the greenhouse gases. She should have had someone back in Switzerland scanning those documents and digitalizing them. <laughs> what the hell was she doing putting boxes of documents on a plane? Oh, she's old school. She doesn't want them on the cloud because <sighs> they're all chunky. Oh, look, we're, we're, all, we're all scared of the cloud after old mate threatened um, evil Finn with the, the photos on the cloud. <laughs> and um, Jane, plain Jane's raunchy correspondence. Still. <laughs> so in order to get access to Claudia's rooms, they need David and Aaron to create a diversion. And luckily, it's a delicious diversion because what has Claudia offered Aaron? A baby. And what does Aaron want? <laughs> Baby. Baby. All that he wants is a baby. He's taken the torch from his brother. His brother's sorted out. Now he wants one. So then this is where my mate Scott from karaoke comes in because Aaron and Chloe conveniently overhear Claudia take this hallway meeting with Constable Jeremy Briggs in Lassiter's. And they overhear him say, I can do more work for you like I did last year. And so they pull the security footage and find out who this guy is, work out that he's a crooked cop somehow. And then they piece together that she was involved in the fire that destroyed the evidence. There's some big bloody leaps of logic there. And you cut me off right when I forgot what happened next. So could, <laughs> what was the fire again? Can you remind me? Oh, the fire, it was Millsy's um, evidence all got burnt up. Oh, that proved he... he did his chemical terrorism, I think. And I think that's probably why, yeah, he wasn't in jail as well because there wasn't the... Oh, look, look, Millsy did a lot of bad things and for, it was perplexing at the time that um, Claudia, you know, covered up for him, but... That is, why did she cover up for him? Was somehow to, as a favour to Sean? Uh, she, she says in there that she let him down. So, I mean, she's not an, a demon in the same way that Finn was. And so I imagine she knows that a whole bit of Millsy must be her fault. There's that. And then she does mention that Sean was always at her to make up with him. We've all got to remember that the only thing we really know about Claudia, about how evil she is, is from Millsy's side of the story. And he's a psychopath. 
So she could have been a lot better than she's been portrayed at by him. But the main hard evidence we have that she's awful is that she wouldn't pay his kidnapping ransom, even when she had the money. And uh, my mum's now living with us and I've forced her to watch Neighbours not once but twice. And she pointed out that Claudia does not dress like a rich lady. She dresses like the lady who calls bingo. So (laughs) the wardrobe standards have slipped in high society. When your mate from karaoke pops by... I thought, you know, when you ne- you run into people that are so terrifying when you take a baby out the first, you know, I don't know, 10 times. So it doesn't surprise me at all that she would run into some guy from her past in a hallway while she's just trying to get the baby upstairs for a nap. Oh, so you like you might run into your first boyfriend or like your old boss or something yeah and like your shirt's undone because you just fed a baby or something you know like like those kind of things or you'll run or you'll be in the line at the post office and the person next to you says I see demons in my sleep and you're like oh okay um (laughs) like it you've been vaccinated um so it doesn't surprise me that some guy she bribed would just be hanging out on her way upstairs with a pram. Yes. I think it would have been more fun for us as an audience if Scott from karaoke was just a little bit more current in in his bribery. Like she just bribed a judge. Couldn't it be a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, like the same, the cop that always works with that judge and then that could have connected Sam Fitzgerald and the judge and Claudia all back together. So Toadie didn't have to go to Treasury Garden. I mean, yeah, Toadie's done his best work of the year just in in the last week. (laughs) Yeah, I I totally agree with you, Kate. I was watching that and I thought, you know what? Like, this is the most you've done, Toadie. And this isn't lawyering. Like, you need to change to this as a career. Just going and hassling ladies in the park. PI. Could he be a PI? Yeah, yeah. Private detective. Yeah. Or just a bit of muscle behind people (laughs) from time to time. So what brings him to Treasury Gardens? I can only assume that the judge's old legal um, paralegal, who was fired, as it turns out, from the shonky judge, she must have gotten herself a job at one of the um, members of parliament because she was hanging out down by those offices. So that makes sense, doesn't yeah. it? Shonky judge, member of parliament, it's not, it's not a big jump. Um, <laughs> so Toadie has received notification that Ellie's appeal is just done. Like they've sent an email, (laughs) said, no, we're not going to hear this case. How's that? She's in jail for up to three years. She's got a baby at home. It was a guilty plea so that she would avoid jail time and it was justifiable manslaughter or whatever it was. And no, no appeal, never, nothing. No other courts, no other... No Supreme Court, nothing. Nothing. Ellie, just find another lawyer. Seriously, how many times do you need this guy to let you down? We need to have a sting for find another lawyer. Whenever a song comes to us, we'll try and work it in. I mean, it just seems like it would be used every single episode. Maybe a bit of um, Tex Perkins with Better Get a Lawyer, Son. Better Get a Good Lawyer, Son. You better get a lawyer, son. You better get a real good one. So, Toadie is not going to be doing an appeal. He's not going to the High Court. He's not Dennis Denudo this time. He tells Ali and then he comes back and he's talking to his new confidant, Dee, and he said, oh, there might be one chance. I think maybe there's been some bribery. And he runs through it with her. She's now the director of the legal practice, it seems, because Toadie comes back to Dee 
hashes it all out and then she tells him what to do. Because he's run out of year 12 students to work as his secretary. Like, doesn't Mackenzie want to study law? She should be the one he tells this to on front desk. A hundred percent. Well, we've heard she's going to be a lawyer a few times now, so she must be gearing up to work at the practice soon, Yeah, I would say. And Dirty Judge Vag. Uh, they can pronounce it however they want. I know how it's pronounced. Cause you and your dirty vagers, Vaya. Yeah. Like, what, what, how else would you pronounce it? Uh, I was a little bit disappointed at his nefarious dealings. Gambling. So boring. Millsy's dad did that too. And that's what's going on in the jail. <sighs> yeah, well, maybe that's just shorthand for the same thing that Millsy's dad did, which was hookers and blow. Yes. Maybe that's their new code. You know how they... They had pseudonyms for weed and drugs and stuff. So maybe gambling is their new shorthand. Yeah. Look, I was really hoping for something quite disastrous, but not like this is something that his wife must know deep down. Like no need to go to this kind of level to hide this. Yeah, because she'd start seeing assets disappearing. She's like, let's go to the holiday house down by the beach. Oh, no, we can't have that. Mm. That's not there. (laughs) Or even just his absences. Like, mate, how many rotary dinners do you need to go to this week? <laughs> Hang on, CJ, CJ's putting some dots together right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't quite know what Samantha's end game here is in terms of continuously allowing the same judge to be blackmailed as a lawyer. Is she lawyer X? I think she is her. She's Samantha Gobbo. This is a bit of a misuse. Claudia must have paid a lot for this. Because she's barely even her client. Client At this point, she had barely engaged her when she gave this kind of level over. Like, you know, Sam, save this for your clients up on murder or something. But I think this became a passion project for Sam because she had the Kennedy vendetta. Yeah, of course. But anyway, speaking of um, Claudia's money, wow, that's doing a lot of work, these episodes. So when she finds out, Aaron confronts her and she finds out that he knows she had evidence destroyed and now... Her crimes are going to be exposed. She offers him a baby. I can get you a baby. You guys want – don't foster a kid. You have to give those back. I'll get you a permanent baby. And Aaron does the the best acting of his life, delves back into his – back to his rough trade performative experience. When he had to gyrate on women, then, yeah, that's that's what he was harnessing. He's like, great offer. Thank you. I will seriously consider this offer and I will talk to my spouse Good day. My, my spouse, who is also the son of a very rich man. Mm. And he nearly bought that guy a kidney. So this is where you stole this kind of talk. Yeah. As if he couldn't buy a fetus if he was going to buy a kidney. Yeah, Paul would have got so jealous. He's like, oh, guys, I can buy you a baby. Why didn't you come to me? Yeah, he would have been really upset because I think he kind of offered. I think he said something along these lines a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> For a minute they got me. I thought they were going to seriously talk to Claudia about buying the baby, getting a baby. But then what they manufacture is a scenario where they're just going to distract Claudia by talking about, all right, cool, we're in, get us a baby. But I thought they were going to use that opportunity to secretly record Claudia to have her confess to her crimes and or maybe like pocket dial the police so that they can hear it too or something. Why did they not record their whole conversation? Why are they relying on the women potentially finding a bit of damning evidence rather than, you know, they've actually got her singing like a canary in their backyard. And also with the amount of stuff that it turns out Claudia has in the apartment that she's had for like two weeks, um, she is too smart. She lost that one invoice with that bad date on it from Sam 
earlier in the week or last week. And she's never going to do that again. Claudia's not the type to keep a diary. Like, dear diary, today I bribed a judge. Like, she's not going to do that. Yeah, this is where the Scooby gang fell apart because the ladies didn't find enough hard evidence and the blokes didn't record the convo. But they did make a mess. They detained Claudia as long as they can. She goes back to the hotel. The ladies clear out of there and she sees that a few things are not in their rightful spot and then realises they've been going through her things and then she's like, well, better skip town because people are on to me. So she has a plane coming in. Look, the means were given to her earlier on, but she's her crimes are just escalating. She's losing her, her togetherness really quickly. And what does she do in Switzerland? Because she's got her finger in a lot of pies. She's got connections to get a judge blackmailed. She can buy a baby. She can get a private plane here, there and everywhere. She owns a ludicrously expensive plane as well. So this plane has flown from Switzerland to Australia. And unless it's like an air race from the 30s where they're jumping from (laughs) town to town. (laughs) I had a look at the... um, beautiful green screen behind Claudia. <laughs> I compared it to a picture of a Gulfstream G650ER. Of course. Now, Elon Musk has one of these and it's $70 million. Whoa. Jeez. Um, and it has a range of 14,000 kilometres, which is, well, it's 16,500 kilometres from Switzerland to Melbourne. So... I would feel that's probably the plane she's got and maybe they've flown from Switzerland to, say, Darwin, refueled, maybe gone through customs and then um, come into Melbourne. Now, when you're going through customs, uh, do they typically want a passport? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Just put a pin in that one. (laughs) Yeah. So I live, for anyone that's seen the castle, I live two blocks off the airport at the same airport that the castle was shot at, by the way. We can say it because the episode named it. They did. They said Essendon Airport. And I worked at Essendon Airport for a really long time as well. And international planes and beautiful planes like that come in all the time. And probably I remember looking up something about like what's the – how much do you have to pay for an international plane? And there was a note on there that one of the most – one of the expensive things, probably not the most expensive, is that you have to pay for the country that you're going – to send out people from customs, etc., to be at the airport when you arrive. No, sorry, from the country you're arriving in. So they can set whatever price they want. So they definitely would be there, whether they arrived in Darwin or here, and they would have asked whoever was getting off that plane for their passport and who was giving, whoever was getting on the plane to go back. Now, the reason we are querying this passport situation is because a dead man walking is on Claudia's private plane. Because uh, Claudia goes to the small airport to board her plane, but it, as it arrives, it's got a passenger disembarking and it's her resurrected dead son. Formerly known on this podcast as Dry Toast, then Dry Ice. I think he's been called Popsicle at some point too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, defrosted toast. Thawed toast. And like soggy a bit, like when, like if you put it in the microwave to defrost. This actually reminds me of when I was a kid and my dad used to make my school lunches for me with white bread. I don't even understand the logic on this, but he would just freeze a loaf of white bread and then make me a frozen sandwich and then by lunchtime it would have defrosted oh, and it was, di- it was disgusting. And now when I see my husband just buy a loaf of white bread twice a week for our children, I'm like, that's, that's fatherhood right there. 
Mum just walked in the kitchen and said soggy toast. <laughs> there you go. What? Okay, I need. We need. Let's pause and wind back the clocks to Halloween. Halloween 2019. Who was our guest for that podcast, gals? Uh, Christy Whelan Brown, Scarborough special guest, and she brought up the disappearance of one dry toast, Sean Finn's brother Watkins. Here's a little bit of how that conversation went down. I was Googling Switzerland avalanche October because I'm like, it's pretty early on in the old winter season for there to be actual snow to fall down. Climate change. Greta is onto it. Like, Or it could just all be bullshit. Maybe it never – this is fake news. It never actually happened. He's trying to get away from Ellie. Because there's no body. That- They've got to find a body, right? Hashtag no blood. Yeah, there's – I mean, we've learned from DeAndrea's situation. You can't, on Neighbours, not have a body. Ellie and Harold. Remember Harold went off the edge of the yeah, cliff exactly. and then turned up in that marching yeah. band? Do you reckon maybe Sean could turn out in, like, maybe 3,000 years? He'll be dug up, you know, like, occasionally, like, a Neanderthal man will, like <laughs> – Pop out of the snow and they'll be like, he's perfectly preserved <laughs> and his teeth are in very good condition. One of my favourite movies ever, Encino Man. So, look, I just feel that not for one second did I believe he was dead. Mm. So him coming back, I'm like, oh, well, there you are. You're back now. Yeah, because they didn't find remains. They had this funeral by the lake where they scattered some rose petals and then everyone moved on with their lives. <laughs> I have to admit, watching it did get me on the googs and looking up Ertzi, which I'm glad that I referred to him back then as well. Now, Ertzi is the, um, the the oldest mummified person that they've ever found who was in the Italian Alps um, <laughs> from, I think, 3400 BC or something like that. And Sean, Sean's a latter-day Ertzi. Yeah, except he's sentient. Well, that's questionable too, but... He's walked off the plane fresh as a daisy. He said they rescued him a couple of days ago. You're alive. Oh, God, I can't believe this. I was rescued from the mountain a couple of days ago. I went to the house first and couldn't find you. I tried the office. They said you'd moved out here. Oh, this is a miracle. And he didn't ring anyone or get on Facebook or, you know, even TikTok. He wouldn't have a TikTok account. So... He would have to get one. Like that, wouldn't that be one of the first things one would do at this point? <laughs> Imagine that alert on Facebook. Hey guys, it's me. What's been happening? There's not many people on the streets. Imagine how confusing that would be, actually, <laughs> if you just came into this situation we're living at the moment. It was overwhelming because he appeared at the start of Friday's episode, and I almost needed him to be a cliffhanger. Because he arrived and then spewed forth information for the rest of the episode. And I'm like, whoa, I need like a week to be drip fed all of this detail by detail. So basically what happened was that the avalanche started and he knew it was coming. And rather than just kind of wiping him out like that, he saw a cabin, got in the door, avalanche came down, didn't flatten the cabin. Um, and then he just survived in there with his – oh, but he twisted his ankle. But there was like, quote, unquote, minimal supplies, but obviously plenty of water. So he had rations in his backpack that lasted him from October to May. And so there was no people in there? There was no people in the cabin that he went to? Didn't seem to be. God, wouldn't he be – like, firstly, he looks great. You would think he would be absolutely emaciated. Can we, firstly, can we do a sidebar on the beard? A side beard, if you will. His beard, did he have a – he should have had a castaway beard. Oh, look, look, maybe he's groomed himself. He's gone, look, I can't come out looking like the wild man of Borneo here. I've got to, you know, like have, have a little bit of grooming. Why didn't he shave it all off? Wouldn't you want to be fresh? Hmm. 
Maybe that's what grew back in the 24-hour flight from Switzerland. Yeah, maybe he's got a very quick-growing hair, old Sean. <laughs> he should be in hospital, though. Like, you think that he would be, he would have malnutrition in one way or the other. Like the cave boys. They were, you know, drinking algae and stuff. You can't just hop on a plane after that. My husband was watching it with me and he goes, oh, he's eaten a lot of spam. <laughs> <laughs> and then my reply to that was, He's been in a cabin with a lot of spam farts and clothes in there with him. I had to have some electrolytes before recording this podcast just because I hadn't eaten enough today. Like what the hell is he doing just getting on an international flight? But that's what I was thinking. Maybe spam is salty enough to get your electrolytes in, CJ. The macros on spam are amazing, actually. (laughs) But did Toast have a backpack full of spam? Or was the spam in the cabin? Is it a spam-equipped cabin? I just, he would have been freaking freezing in there. Like, how did he heat up that space? Spam farts. <laughs> He's lighting his spam farts. <laughs> I reckon you're on the money. Somebody set up their cabin on the side of a cliff and said, oh, look, you know, there's avalanches here all the time. I should just stop this place. <laughs> With some stuff. And so they've put some multivitamins, a good multivitamin, maybe a chewable. Sean looks like he needs a chewable. And a a cupboard full of spam. Maybe what else? Maybe they insulated the walls with spam. Yes. Hopefully there's some sort of liquid fuel there or something, like, you know, to heat up that room. And remember, he's a very fit man. No, but then there wasn't much fat on his body to burn. No, you're right. He must have had spam because spam's really high in fat. It would have been quite warming for him. And where is a current affair? That's worldwide news right there. Tara Brown would have been on the first flight to Geneva. They would be like Aussie, brother of murderer, brother of recently deceased island murderer. Billionaire. Found alive. Yep. And she'd be like, so Sean, how did this experience compare to when you were kidnapped by Colombian rebels? That's right. And then they could have rolled the archive footage from ACA in the 90s. Yeah. And then, like, he's had a baby. Why doesn't he contact the mother of his child? Like, so he's been in this cabin knowing that he's having a baby. Like, because you know when babies are coming about. Oh, yes. (laughs) Right? So he knows. He's in a cabin. Like, imagine if your partner, Bea, went... Like, how many months ago was October? Um, It was right at the start of my gestation. (laughs) Imagine if you were two months pregnant, you hadn't really even announced it, and your partner goes missing. Yeah. Imagine that person sitting there in their thing, eating their spam, thinking, (laughs) oh, well, about now they're getting the six-week scan or the – like, you know what I mean? (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Sorry, that was Sean eating his spam. Do that live foley. We've never had that on this. I've got small children. Sometimes you have to do a fart noise on request. You do. We're a bloody BBC show now. (laughs) This is classy. (laughs) So that would have been the soundtrack. Yeah, that's it. Oh, man. Yeah. He, like, he doesn't, okay, maybe he doesn't have his phone, whatever. His plan, Optus cancelled his plan because, whatever, because he's gone, he's dead. That's what his mum, this this is why the mum's got so much money. She was like, oh, okay, he's dead. We haven't seen him in a week. Cancel his plan. 
cancel, cancel every- everything. Cancel everything. <laughs> no, I reckon she would have set up his apartment or whatever as a like just a time capsule for him, and that's why he still had his passport. It would have people just gone. Oh, I'll check out my personal safe here. Oh, yep, everything's still where it was. I'll just pick it up and let go. But it doesn't some doesn't the death office like? Is there a person whose job it is to go through the obituaries and go better cancel all these passports nah. so no one uses them? But he hasn't been confirmed dead. I mean, they never found his body. And remember with Dee, it took years and years before she was declared dead. Yeah, they called off his search by Cup Day, early November. It was like Halloween to November. They, seriously, he went down the avalanche. Was He had barely had a night in that cabin before they, they just <laughs> said, no, nah, done, stopped. Those lazy Swiss. We've got a Swiss listener, Sally. Well, she's English, but she lives in Switzerland. What's going on with the Swiss search parties? Two days, that's it. Tools down. What about those mountain dogs? What about those dogs that carry the little barrels around their neck? Like, where were they in the search for Sean? They were somewhere else. <laughs> um, you know, the other day my son asked for one of his Easter eggs and I had a look up at the top of the bookshelf and then said, oh, I can't find it because um, I knew I'd eaten them. Yeah. And somebody just basically was charge of the search, maybe Claudia, and and she went, oh, I can't find it, knowing full well <laughs> she's eaten it. And so she, I don't, they just basically pretended to look for four minutes and then got over it. You know what, I, when he saw, finally saw baby Aster and he goes, oh, she named her Aster like we discussed, I was just kind of hoping he'd say, because I've never ever want to see anything that reminds me of a mountain again what would tell me the mountain connection huh <laughs> no because he liked Aster because that was the flower that he used to see on his mountain hikes oh gosh oh i thought he just liked the flower but that's why oh wow oh that's cool oh yeah that would have been awesome See, no wonder you're a Kate Stradamus. you pick up these tiny little details that's a Kate Stradamus mixed in with a plant rant yeah. Well, look, I, look, I am sensitive to the neighbours' plant references. But I am also a little disappointed that we didn't get Kate Stradamus in its full form, which was I think Kate and I both wanted Claudia to be in cahoots with Sean being alive. Oh, yeah. We yeah. thought she was, yeah, hiding him away somewhere to get Asta, the baby, and then bring her back and then they would have her. Yeah. But no. I would have preferred that. I wanted his real evil side to come out and get rid of his bland blandness really because her reaction to seeing her zombie son Shaun of the dead a few people of like david james young friend of the pod volunteered Shaun of the dead she sees she claps eyes on him and nicola in the facebook group said when scar realized simba was still alive he was more shocked than <laughs> oh sorry i've ruined the lion king again for you guys he was more shocked than claudia seeing her son <laughs> and i thought she was downplaying it because she knew he was alive and she knew that there were security cameras on her. So she had to pretend she's like, oh, my dead son is here. Wink. And that's the thing. Like I, it would have been a lot more believable if he got off the plane and she said, don't do that. We're going to go right now. Get back on the plane. Or I really feel that Claudia knew he was alive and just didn't want to get him because she just wanted the baby. Whoa. Like she was that level of not giving a crapness that her son's alive, 
And so I reckon they went, oh, look, Sean's gone down the avalanche. And she went, oh, well, you can't find him. No worries. Bye. Because she did not care. I've got a do-over baby right here. Yeah, maybe she's one of those weirdos. Like, she always wanted a girl. You know, there's people that have, like, seven boys and, like, trying for a girl. It's like, no, you just have the humans you've got. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, didn't want her boys, didn't pay the ransom, didn't look for the avalanche one. I'll just have this baby girl. She was really done with those two, wasn't she? <laughs> She's like, well, I need a new baby. She's also like a Brennan. Yes, Claudia. Baby. On the baby. I, I loved it earlier this week when she was saying, it's really a, a lot of work looking after her. <laughs> I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. Mate, it's hard work when you're of parent age to look after a baby let alone grandparent age yeah and my mum walked in the room and was like um if she's rich where's her nanny yeah yeah and that was half the promise that she made in the thing that she was going to have plenty of support available to her yeah like Fraulein Maria should have been on that jet ready to go exactly I also really enjoyed how troubled Claudia is by the baby but also you know when she was at the Branaka house uh, as her detour the baby is asleep the entire time, does not make a peep. I'm thinking, is that child, that child's been there for two hours. Can somebody just check on it, make sure it doesn't need feeding or something? It totally needs feeding. Yeah, I know it does. <laughs> but didn't your mum pick that up this week that that poor child just needs to be fed? Yeah, she's like, feed the kid. I'm like, oh God, this is my life in two weeks. <laughs> it's still hungry. Yeah. <laughs> your mum's going to be standing by you going, feed it again, feed it again. <laughs> Another amazing detail that Sean drops is that – so he's like, they rescued me two days ago, they pulled me out of the snow and I called your office in Sydney and they said, you live in Melbourne now, so I hopped on a plane to come and see you. And no one in her office, <laughs> sackable offence, rang their supervisor to say, hey, boss, your dead son just called. <laughs> what a dink. Nah, I, I, I can picture that office. They've just gone, this or Ellie, shit, this cunt of a woman. <laughs> Let's stitch her up again and then I'm quitting. Or it's like a situation where they're like, hello, Claudia Simpson's office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, no, no. She moved to Melbourne now. Thank you. Goodbye. Line seven. Yeah, that's it. And it was, it was fun to watch the unravelling of Claudia though because she's been so despicable that watching her come undone within minutes was delightful. But it was a ridiculously quick unravelling, wasn't it? This should have happened over. She should have gone missing for a few days. She should have gone to the cabin that Millsy died in. And I think finding an invoice, a stray invoice, is lazy. I think Sam should have – maybe Susan should have had a heart-to-heart with Sam about the bipolar or the MS or something, and Sam could have cracked and said, well, she hired me months ago, you know, and it could have come out a different way. Probably, but I just really enjoy Hot Mess Nana of Claudia (laughs) because she's just like, she got the baby and just downhill from that moment. In the meantime, Suze and B are just out driving looking for it because Chloe knows that Claudia's private jet is arriving today. Yeah, because Chloe knows because her brother, Detmack, sings like a canary and he's just shot his mouth off to her. He knows that the plane's coming in, but he doesn't know which airport which I find weird, like, because you think that they'd have to submit flight plans. Well, they first said Essendon Airport definitively. And so yes. B and Susan are like, okay, off to Essendon. Let, let's go to Lamana Supermarket and have a nice time. They're going to get some dips. Delicious. 
And they showed a lot of exteriors of an airport that I straight away said, that is Essendon Airport. The signage on the hangars, the, the view of the new hotel up there. It's weird. It's just plain is Essendon Airport. But then word on the street was that it was no, it was another airport in Melbourne. Now, before the intel comes in as to which airport, Susan and B just set off into, an, into the unknown, into the unknown like Elsa. Well, she was actually driving from the airport to the city under the cheese stick and then through the sound tunnel. So she was heading the wrong way on the freeway. The cheese stick is a sculpture that signifies the toll bridge, the toll way. Well, no, it's, it just signifies that the entry to Melbourne. It's like the entry gate. Yeah. And it looks like a cheese stick. It's not called that. Yeah. But it's, it's a piece of art. She's driving away from the airport to the city rather than from the city to the airport. It's classic Susan, really. Look, no one knows what she's doing. But then Chloe puts in a call and is like, reroute, got to get to Moorabbin. And then B's like, cool, let's stop off at USA Foods. I'm going to get some goldfish crackers. No, they just go to the Moorabbin airport. But all the exteriors were at, at Essendon. So it's like, why didn't you just make up the lie the other way? Why don't you just say, oh, it's at Moorabbin. And then, oh, no, it's in Essendon. Yeah, and that would actually make sense. Yeah. I quite love that because it just seems a bit useless. There must have been a reason that we can't understand why they had to do that scene. My mum at the end of all this was like, can I ask a question? What are the riders? And I was like, no, no, no. Do not stop there. <laughs> show her the um, show her the picture of the, the riders' room. <laughs> I was like, do not try and understand any of this. Like, what do you think I've been doing for five years? Do you think this has to make sense for me to talk about it? No. This is a conti- it's a continuing puzzle trying to work out the logic of neighbours. <laughs> yeah. So Sean and his mum have had a chat at what we can assume is Moorabbin Airport for a while. With the G6 in the back- background. Right. Okay. They're having a chat. Everything's unravelling for Claudia. Because Sean's like, I've told you my story, mum. Now, what have you been up to? She's like, well, I bribed a judge. <laughs> Did some crimes. And he's appalled. He's really not into it. And he's finally cuddling his baby and she's like, well, let's go. Got to get our plane out of here. And he's like, no. Also, bitch, please, do you want him to die of DVT? <laughs> Man's been stuck at high altitude for like seven months, then has flown internationally. And then you want him to hop back in the plane without even like a bit of, you know, an overnight sleep? He was probably doing push-ups the whole way over. I've seen his Instagram. He's on TikTok now. He, he downloaded it on the plane. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and he watched TikToks for like, I don't know, four hours before making one, which is what everyone else does. <laughs> which is what I just pictured extensively is him making TikToks on the plane of him working out. Got to get hot from a bay. Because <laughs> then he was like, I want to call Ellie. Like he still reckons he might be in there. Oh, yeah. God, Ali's, I mean, she's in prison at the moment and she's wearing a tracksuit a lot, but she's hot. Like, he, he's really keen on, on that situation. Like, yeah. she's the best he was ever going to get. <laughs> so my favourite part of this entirely was when Susan and B walk in. <laughs> and B, as soon <laughs> Okay. And Susan and B just walk in and Susan's like, oh, Sean. It's all with their eyeballs. It was amazing. Yeah. It, Susan, I mean, there's been some stellar acting um, from Susan, but she just walks in and she's like, holy shit balls! This is a different situation than we thought we were walking into. 
Yes, and, and they look more surprised than his mother. Mm. See, I reckon though with Claudia, she was she's stressed. She's very, very stressed. She's just like, I need to get out of here. I need to get this baby away. I need to get, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Got to go. Got to go. She saw him just like, oh, shit. Well, this is a turn up for the books, but too bad. Just keep on come with me. Stay focused. Oh, yeah, true. It's like um a, a, a person who takes a hostage, like Millsy. Sorry, not Millsy. Who held Finn and Ellie hostage when she was having the baby? Oh, no, no. Rob, Rob. Rob, Rob. Yeah, he was panicked. He's like, I'm having a baby. doesn't matter. Stay here. You're my hostage. The baby will be the hostage. Like, there's panicking. Yeah. yeah, there wasn't any sense behind it, but I think you're right. And she was like, look, we've just got to get out of the country. Once I get on the plane, everything's fine. Because um, as um, Aaron or, or David bring up earlier in the episode, she's got money. She'll just buy a passport for that baby, get it a new identity. And the episode ends when they walk in. And I think we'll deviate for a moment over to the prison, which is dovetailing beautifully in and amongst all of this, because obviously now the race is on to get Ellie released because the Dirty Vag judge has like obviously been corrupt. And so now all of his his convictions are going to be, what are they called? Overturned? His sentences are going to be overturned. But Toadie's really cash about putting that phone call in. He's going to tell Dee before Ellie. Um, meanwhile... Andrea is now the prison bookie and she's taking bets for a fight that's between the favourite and the underdog. And it turns out that Patrice is the favourite, but who's the underdog? Eleanor Leanna Rose Conway. Ali. Or Conway, as Andrea calls her. Yeah, which I love, by the way. And did you notice, Kate, you got a million shout outs for asks? Asks. I can't even say it. Asks. I love that. Hats off, Madeline. Yeah, it was like Madeline West heard you and she just said, I'm going to say this 12 times in an episode. Um, the prison's just a, bl- a buzz with excitement at the fight. And I was a buzz with excitement at the evolution of the biscuit gang because it's not just chocolate biscuits in this biscuit gang. It's, sav- it's a savoury biscuit. Yes, not just any old savoury biscuit. Where can you buy these biscuits, Fair? Well, I can only assume Aldi. <laughs> yep, because they're the knockoff. Um, shapes biscuits, snackos, <laughs> <laughs> which is uncomfortably close to schmackos. Yeah, Australians prefer the, sh- the savoury cracker of choice is the barbecue shape. Oh yes, and look, I'm a big fan of the barbecue shape, and Aldi does also sell like huge packets of barbecue shapes. And at one stage, I like I was like, oh, should I save money? Aldi's good in everything else, but then I asked other the snackos. As, oh, um, you, you've as put a European as, flavor on your pronunciation. Yes, the snackos. <laughs> um, as good as the barbecue shapes. And no, no, they're not. So don't go cheap on your, your shapes. That's my top tip. Well, she was even cheaper than that. They were Ellie's snacks. Like they were Ellie. <laughs> She's just stole them. Her, her snackos snacks. <laughs> yep, she had the old five f- finger discount. Could we get any more joy out of this episode? What? What a gift. So now, but but meanwhile, while she was digging the aster flower, like trying to salvage it, she she and D have a stoush over the what D Andrea have a stoush over this with this plastic trowel that Andrea steps on, and it sh- inexplicably shatters. Wait, how long has that been out in the sunshine for it be to be that brittle to break into pieces? To to then form a shiv. I love that. Oh. What a delight. So Ellie's popped that under a mattress for safekeeping, but now the clock's ticking because she's clearly going to shank someone in the slammer and that'll bugger up her appeal and her release. Look, I've got a question about um, 
Goodwood Prison, which I realise this week is a combination of Good Life gyms and Fernwood gyms. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, surely they would have a system with their gardening that they would lend out one tool at a time. You know, like there'd be a, a register of like, okay, we lent this trowel to Conway and she's got to sign it back in when she goes back inside. And she'll return with the pieces and they'll look at it and they'll go, geez, it's missing, I don't know, most of the – most of it? <laughs> Yeah, otherwise it'd be like, well, Patrice is getting whippersnippered next week if they're not accounting for this stuff. What a time. What a time to be alive in the time of neighbours. I it's like they knew about the COVID situation because these Yeah. It's just gift after gift. I don't even I don't even know what they could give us next week. I mean, I've read all the spoilers and I know exactly what they're giving us next week. <laughs> but I can't wait. Well, um if because I'm I know I'm gonna be incapacitated. I might even hand it over to you ladies if you feel compelled to take on the conversation for a while without me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to let you delve into what comes next. I don't know how we can't. Like, yeah. Because God knows what will fall from the sky <laughs> in Ramsey Street next week. And we've got to do citizen shitizen now. We do. I feel like Kate has to go first. Kate now makes all predictions. <laughs> <laughs> no one else has any authority look I, I do have a citizen this week um and it's jared toadfish rebecca oh did you say excuse me did you say citizen yes okay um he did some lawyering this week oh, he, yeah. he did some private detective work he um did the most thinking he'd done in decades and he worked out he had a corrupt judge on his hands and managed to expose a massive injustice. So, well done, Jared. But really, yeah, get back to your tax law. CJ, do you have one or do you want me to go? Um, I'm just going to be a basic B and go citizen to Claudia. Lovely. You are an amazing lady who has achieved a lot in her life, obviously. You don't get a plane like that without knowing some stuff. Mm. Um, you fell apart, really. When the, gu- when the gun went off for this race... You just fell apart. Mm. That's it. Um, I'm going to go words I thought I'd never say. Citizen of the week. To the soggy toast. Mm. Uh, dry ice. Popsicle. The blandest man in town. Oh, but came good. Just like Gazpidge at the very end, right at the end there, has just said to his mum, for once in your life, do the right thing. He takes his daughter. He's like, we've... We're not going to run from the law. You've got to be held accountable. What's going on here? Well, this is not a lawless society. I just spent five months, six months in freezing temperatures, eating spam, and I got on a plane and I will not have this. Thank you, Sean. I want to go and see my baby mama and I want to make another baby with her. And I want to eat a meat patty. <laughs> Maybe with a side of spam. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Oh, what a journey. I don't even care what happened Monday to Wednesday. No. No, I don't even – like, I cannot even remember. As I said, I watched them all at once, but I cannot remember because I love that this was not even something that was on a promo. No. Neighbours can now bring back someone from the dead without really thinking about it. Actually, I did see his face in a promo, but I thought it was like a flashback. So I saw it flash up in a teaser for like coming up tonight or whatever. And I saw his face and I thought, surely not. And then, no, there he was. <laughs> and, you, and, and you thought back to last night when I was like, something's going to happen on Neighbours tomorrow. 
<laughs> yeah, and then I, I scooby-ganged those pieces back together. <laughs> well, I hand the baton over until we reconvene, probably in person, because we'll be allowed to at that stage. Oh, well, I, I saw both of you this week. Yes. On How the, good was that? On the street. Beautiful. Um, I think we are allowed to now. Or, you know, as long as we're sensible. So the next time we probably will do it in person. And Kate and I will keep everyone up to date. And follow us on the socials if you want to meet baby coos. Carl or Susan, going to drop any minute. Come on, Faye. You've got to do You've got to do a Facebook poll on whether it's going to be baby Carl or baby Suze. Yeah. I love this. Um, the marketer in me said, if you want to know about baby coos, sign up to Patreon. <laughs> No, and the um the bleeding heart in me is like, if you want to feed my unborn child, sign up to Patreon. <laughs> You're a natural marketer. No, it's fine. It's it's dire times we're in a pandemic. Save your pennies. But uh, we are neighbourspod.com and I'm Vaya Pashos on Twitter. Vaya's on Instagram. Um, I might even have a new podcast in the works. We'll talk about that another time. But it'll all be there. It'll all be happening. CJ. CJ the Hot Mess Mum on Instagram and TikTok. Kate. I'm at Remude on Twitter. And please keep this chat going because what a time. UK, hurry up. Meet us back here at episode 8364. Yeah, we'll see we'll see you in the future, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye. Speak soon. Bye. Bye.